Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We're going to discuss the prayer episode. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break down the episode so you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. I'm Pastor Jonathan here with Pastor Joel. Hey, Pastor Joel. Hey, Pastor Jonathan. Holy guacamole. I know. I am like convicted and grateful and challenged by that episode for all of these different reasons and all of the things that we just talked about. Yeah. What are your initial thoughts about the episode? My initial thoughts are I'm sitting here thinking, what are my initial thoughts? There's so many of them. We've covered that episode covered so many things. I mean, it was cool seeing how the Lord's prayer, Jesus's prayer in Matthew chapter six, just really efficiently and effectively fit this model. It, and really it, going through the four hours of prayer, yep. the comparing and contrasting the two teenagers hits home really hard. Oh, that's, uh, that zinged me. Yeah. So that's where I'm at is just, I, I know prayer really well. I understand the doctrine. I'm, I, know the way I pray and the manner in which I pray is successful. My prayers are often answered and I still feel like every time I hear this perspective, I need to be better at giving God the attention and the respect he deserves when I'm making requests to him. I feel like that's always the thing I'm lacking the most in my prayer life is am I honoring God through it? Not just by ending it by saying your will be done, but the entire prayer throughout the prayer. Am I seeing this as a conversation with him and not just me filling out a comment card that I put in the the suggestion box at the, you know, for him to look at at the end of the day. Seriously. Yeah. I'm trying to think of if, if there was this person, if I, if I needed to borrow your car, if I needed something from you, like what is something that that's valuable that you have that I would want to borrow? I mean, it's like, if I wanted to borrow your computer, I would be so, I feel like I would be so respectful to ask you that the tone of my voice, when I approached you, all of that, it would be really, really different. And I'm just so curious if we would see amazing things, even much more amazing things at Music of Life Church, if we really focused on this. Like the all attitude. of, yeah, the attitude and the method, like what yeah. really hit me hit hard was the, the removal of distractions. Yeah. Like if yeah. I was going to, you know, a job or something like that, I was going to request a raise, dude, that would be so intentional. Oh about yeah. All of that. You'd be so rehearsed. You wouldn't like my phone how... would be turned off. Yeah. Oh, right. Your phone would be turned off. You would be, 
you would be rehearsed, yeah. you'd be ready, you would explain, you'd, you'd be able to explain everything and how it benefits the company and all of that, where it goes back to, you know, in prayer, one of the things that's really important is to show God how we are, how we believe we are facilitating his will or his purpose and progress in the request. Yeah. So one of the things I'm realizing is that that's a, that is a justice move as well. Right. Where it's like, how does this request facilitate God's purpose and progress? Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing that hit me is, you know, as we are talking about spiritual value, how much do I really care about God's will being done? So I'm going to pose this scenario. Do I care so much about God's will being done that I give him the spiritual value to accomplish his will? And he uses that when I'm dead. Hmm. So he doesn't use that value to bless me and my life right. here in this world. Now I give him my value and he goes, great, Jonathan, I'm going to, I'm going to use that later for you at a time yeah. where it's really going to be, it's really going to be the most bang for your buck. Right. Or am I saying, no, God, I want you to use it in my life to bless me. That's how I want you to use it. Yeah, I mean, even the scenario with the second teenager, that's kind of implied the, the, the fact that after the parent makes the case for a different amount of money than what they're requesting, the kid doesn't argue. Again, it goes back to why do you need the money? What are you going to use it for? And if it's for the benefit of other people and, you know, you're going to to the father for this request should keep an ear to him as far as whether or not what we're, you know, what is the most beneficial? Cause that's, you know, one of the things I learned as far as God being just is he, his plans are always better than our plans. We know that, right? His will is greater than our will. Yep. He can get things done way more effectively and efficiently than we can. Mm-hmm. So even if I have, if I say, God, I, you know, if I, in prayer, I say, I have, I'd like, you know, I'd like a $5,000 car or whatever. I have five, like, give me a car for five, like in the range of $5,000. God will be able to give me a car for cheaper than that. Or he'll give me a better car for the amount that I've asked. So he's always going to exceed it in some way. Yeah. And that's kind of the argument of like, well, I'll give you $30 and you'll be able to, if you do things my way, you'll be able to accomplish what you want with $30. Mm -hmm. You won't have, Mm -hmm. you won't have to use as much. And the point there is kid, teenager, I'm giving you $50. It's not free. So how often we, you know, as kids, we think, oh, my, my parents' job is to just give me stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, it's God's job. God is love. It's just his job to give me things. And it doesn't cost me anything. That's a whole other side to this. This prayer is free thing. I had a great exchange with my niece years ago. 
She was like, I think she was five. I'm the candy uncle. She says, every time she comes to my house, candy. Yeah. Can I have some candy? And I have candy. I give her candy. One time I didn't have candy. And she's like, why not? I need to go buy some more. And she didn't get it. Like you always have candy. I'm like, yeah, but I got to go buy some. She's like, well, candy's free. And I said, to you it is. Or to you, it seems that way. Right. Because every time you ask for it, I give it to you. But no, I have to pay for it. And whether she knows it or not, every time I give her a piece of candy, she is on the negative side of the justice scale. I have given her something. And now the the justice scales are in balance between her and I. And that's the way we treat God is the way she treated me. And I think God's doing us the same service I did her and helping her understand, no, there's justice here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I love her, I'll give her this candy. And I know she gives me a value by being this sweetheart that I like spending time with. But when we ask God for something, it's the same. It's like there, God isn't, it would be unjust for God to just give us things without it, without the value being accounted for. But we do, we treat him like he's the uncle who has candy that it's just his job to give me candy. And there would never be a scenario where he would make me pay for it. There would never be a scenario that he would run out because that's just his job, isn't it? Mm. To give me what I want. We completely miss out on what prayer is really about most most of the time. Yeah. And it's, and I just really feel like we ask God for things and have respect. It is for our benefit that we do that. Oh yeah. Because this all goes back to, you know, if you were to just give your niece candy and just continue to give it to her without having that conversation, then that's where you would be hurting her long-term yeah, because she, as you were enabling her or not having her pay for any of her actions, what she does is she goes and she lives life thinking that I don't have to pay for anything. Right. And I asked for it. So therefore I am owed it. Oh, if yeah, I, if I make a request, then that means I deserve the thing that I'm asking for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I humbled myself enough to make this request. And that's the same. I see that the same thing. And it's so prevalent in our society right now, this entitled mentality Yeah, where it's the same thing of if I punch you in the face, pastor Joel, I feel so bad about it that me feeling bad should make up for the fact that I punched you in the face. Yeah. I punched you in the face, but that punch in the face really punched me, my heart. Yeah. And I'm the bad guy if I confront you in it. Yeah. And now you need to go get dental I'm, dental surgery because yeah. I knocked out a tooth. But listen, man, I feel bad about it. Right. Where it's like, no, I, we're going to God saying, wait, I prayed. I made this request. So I should be granted it. And it's like, right. no, 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 no. That. 
that that request is the first i mean you is probably it's when the exchange begins but it right. doesn't mean that that exchange is going to happen if you have nothing to exchange which is why right. spiritual value is so important with prayer yeah so we talk about those implications of man if you're asking for something if there's something that you want if there's something that you're asking for god to move in your life and something does not happen or, or I, not, not that something bad doesn't happen, but something bad happens when you pray. I'm praying, I'm asking God for this thing, and something bad occurs. Well, is it possible that that's the way that God is giving you the value to accomplish the yeah. thing that you want? Yep. You got to earn I, some value. Exactly. You need the value. So the exchange or the situation has occurred and he's being so good that he's saying, I'm sorry, you don't have the value for this thing. Right. You don't have the value for, for this desire in your heart to come to fruition. Right. Even the desire that he put there, God could be saying, you need value. The desire in and of itself is not the value. Right. You need to have something that causes God to move, to bring you that thing, or else he's an enabler. And we're now we're back to universalism. Yeah. Because I want it. Right. I'm owed that's, it. That's entitled. It is. That doesn't work. That's not fair. That's not right. No. And if we use that with people, we go, that is so broken. Just because, the, because this kid feels bad and they really want it, we should give it to them. No. No. Why would God do that then? Why would God be something? God is something less than that if that is the case. Yeah, it is. And again, it's these, it's these things we put on God based on what we want. Right. We define him as the omnis because that's what I would want in my life. Right. If I was God, that's what I'd want to be. <sighs> You know, we define prayer the way we do because it facilitates me getting what I want in life. I just love to, you know, these pastors and these people, these leaders that believe that if you ask for it, God's going to give it to you. If they're made in God's image, then I should just be able to send them a text message every day requesting something. And they're going right. to give it to me because I'm just requesting it of them. Yeah, unless they don't want to be godly or Christ-like. Right. right. Just admit you don't want to be like God then. You don't want to be Christ-like. Right. Man, brutal. Can you give us an overview of the strict and the loose side of this argument? Sure. The strict limitation, we could say in the Malk podcast, sometimes we use them both. Mm -hmm. That's the treating prayer quantitatively. The amount you pray is what's important. And, and often that's paired with and why it's, why it's so damaging is it's paired with a disrespectful method in which we pray. And that gets blown up when Jesus, I think this is Jesus who says, you don't think that your father is going to hear you because you say a lot with your yeah. much, much speaking. Right. Right. Yeah. Then the, the loose or the freedom side is prayers free you know and it basically god is love it's his job to give you things so just 
ask and he'll give it. And if he, and if you don't get it, it's not your fault. It's just because it wasn't God's will. So if I ask for unity and there is no unity, it's God didn't want that to happen. God didn't want unity. Yeah. That's the freedom wrong. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah. So the, the freedom, the freedom side is the candy's free, right? Candy's free. I want candy. Give me candy. That's his job too. That's it's his job to give you things. Yeah. To make you happy right now in the moment, in the short term, to be an enabler. Yeah, it really is that. And it's not love. So they, the, the argument is God is love, but what you're saying he's doing isn't love. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I really like is the distinction between fellowship and prayer. Yeah. I think our, our what is your thought about sometimes prayer turning into fellowship? I think they can be combined yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think the more, because if we're talking just, just simply trying to, to, to bring the resolution, between, really trying to just bring this limitation of any communication with God that has a request in it became a prayer. Mm. I would say even, I would say the more any of your communication with God is in the context of fellowship, the better. Nice. So we can fellowship with God while we're praying, Mm -hmm. but we can also fellowship with God without praying. Mm -hmm. And you can pray without it being fellowship. Mm. But I think the ultimate is going to be because if we're really trying to respect God and we know what he wants is fellowship with this group of people that he's been trying to coordinate and, and you know, make prepared for his son for centuries and millennia. If we're praying in a way that honors him, I think fellowship ought to be a part of it it doesn't have to be but it ought to be i think now we're talking high quality level prayers are ones where we're saying things and you made this point we're we're praying for things that are at the heart of what god wants and what are the desires of his heart Mm. and praying to facilitate his will yeah like the more we know and the more intimate we are with him the more rich the prayer life we're going to have is going to be. Yeah. Not only in the manner in which we're praying, but also why we're praying and also what we're praying for. Yeah. Think of a marriage, you know, a marriage or a friendship. What you and I have pastor Joel, and because we have fellowship together, I get to know how to ask you for things, but those four, those four parts of prayer, like I learn how to speak according to your uniqueness. Right. And when I do that, or I make a request, it is a part of fellowship. Whereas, you know, when you have fellowship with someone, you do have relationship and connections and interactions with someone. Right. And to me, it just prayer is, it sounds like it's very much a relationship move. Yeah. Give me something, right? Yeah. Isn't it? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a give and take with God. We are exchanging. Right. 
spiritual value with him. So there is a give and take because justice. I think, I think it has to at least be at the relationship then, right? Mm -hmm. Because of that, because there is value being exchanged. Is that your point there? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking like, I think to pray and to make a request there, it, uh, you would need to at least have a connection, have at least deep sharing in one area. The area of the request is the depth. Yeah. But maybe nothing else. Yeah. And then the deeper, the, the, the more fellowship, the closer you are towards fellowship, the more that request ought to be in line with the person who, you deeply know, which is why you're right. going to, which is why I'm going to get, I believe that I'm going to get more stuff from you, Pastor Joel, than some rando person that you don't know right. because of our fellowship. And right. you know me and you know that if I make a request, you know, like you can have, you can have experience and understanding in me that I'm going to handle that well. If I ask you for your computer, you're going to be like, okay, cool. Yeah, for sure, man. I know you're going to use it. Yep. And what's cool about that, I think the higher the intimacy, the deeper the intimacy we have with Jehovah, with the Father, the more efficient our prayer life gets. Yeah. That's where, if I'm going to argue Martin Luther, the fewer the words, the better the prayer. It's like that only works. And this might have been his point is when I is like with your example between you and me right there, it's like, because of the level of intimacy you and I have just as friends, there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of faith we have between each other. So you're not having to make your case as deeply or as widely as somebody I don't know would have to. That's right. I can reference something that you and I have shared together. Right. Right. Remember when we went to Michigan yeah. together? Right. Or someone I don't know, man, you're going to have to pray a long time for me to feel settled in giving you this big value you're asking for. And in a right. sense, you're going to have, you're going to have to build the understanding experience now because we don't have a lot yet. Ah, sure. So I think the more, it's funny. Cause I think the more we, the more we're intimate with Jehovah the 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 better our prayer life is going to be because we're going to be praying more for things that are in line with his will yeah we're gonna and he's gonna trust us more as we trust him more and i can see how that could maybe even speed up our prayer life Mm -hmm. not having to pray for as long but the very reason our prayer life wouldn't have to be as long is the same reason why we probably would be praying longer because it's the intimacy again you know what i i don't have to pray for three hours at the beginning of my day i used to have to because it took me that long to to get through all my thoughts and everything with with god right right now i don't have to i'm a lot better of a prayer I can get through those same requests in the morning in 15 minutes hmm. because I'm a lot more intimate with God, which actually means I want to pray longer than 15 minutes. 
Yeah, which <laughs> means yeah, which means you have fellowship with him and he can help you with your requests before you ask him. Right. Which right. is really fun. You know, the fun stuff about have God's not gonna say, you know, surprise me when you're ready to pray. You know, he's right. gonna be like, No, I'll help I'll, let me help you. He he shows us. So Jesus, the son of God, who is God by nature, is teaching the disciples how to pray. So clearly this is God is interested in helping us learn how to pray Yeah, and pray effectively. Yep. There, and there is a right way. Yeah. And, and I'd even say, I like what you said, because there's like a fifth part of prayer. That's not really an intentional step you take, but it is oh, something, nice. it is something you ought to have. I would say a perspective you ought to hold throughout the prayer is to keep an ear to God. And this, if you want to read first Samuel chapter eight, those of you listening, go ahead and read it. And here's basically an overview of what's happening is the people ask for a King. Samuel brings that request to God and God puts Samuel in God's place in the prayer. So you can read that story seeing Samuel in the place of God and experiencing what God experiencing and experiences and does when people pray for things. Hmm. And one of the most important parts of that, of that story is after the request is made for a King, Samuel via God tells the people all of the consequences of what will happen if that request is granted. Mm. So we call this keeping an ear to God because while we pray again, prayer is a two-way exchange. It's not just me putting a comment in a, co a comment card in a suggestion box waiting for an answer. This is a conversation with a request. And God is going to tell us because he's just, he's going to talk through this prayer with us. So what we can learn through first Samuel eight is keeping an ear to God might, if the people would have heard what God had to say through Samuel, they may have said, you know what? Never mind. We'll still have, we'll still have you God through the judges be over this nation. Yeah. But instead they're like, no, we still want a King. And then if you look at the list of all the warnings God gave through Samuel, all of those things happened. And the people couldn't justly complain about those things because God was just to warn them ahead of time. So when you ask for something, keep an ear to God because he may start telling you, okay, Jonathan, if you ask for this thing, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. And then, wow. it, then it's basically okay. It, and then it's like a final answer moment. Is that your final answer? Yeah. So God is just to do that and he's merciful to do that. Yeah. So that there's your proof that God doesn't only give us things that are aligned with his will. Right. God right. gives us things that we want if we have the spiritual value for it that will hurt his will. It will. And but and ah. he's also just to warn you in those moments though as well. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately when we're in the thought process of I'm praying for this thing 
because I want this thing. We're already most often in the thought process that any rebuttal God gives us isn't going to reach us anyways, because we already have a plan. Right. But God is just and he's merciful and he loves us so well. Yeah, he does. That it's, he goes, you know, I can see God saying, well, it's your value. Yeah. It's, this is what you wanted. And so how did the, the children of Israel were such seemingly so sucky. How did they have the spiritual value to request a king? I mean, Probably, where was this? Where was this value coming from? I would, I would say, it had come from all of the abuse they had taken for the centuries before this thing. Okay. Because if you look at the, I mean, the history of the Israelites. Yeah, is, that's a great point. Is it is a history of persecution? So that would be my argument. Is I think they're they are a they are a persecuted nation. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. And what we can understand about God is that, you know, regardless of how they got the value or not, they had the value for God to move. Right. Give them a king. Right. Yeah. Why? Because it happened. Yeah. So we know when it, we know when something got, whenever something God does happens, it's because it was right and just for him to do so. We know that. That's right. That, wow, did that end up hurting them in the long run? And then it was their own fault, though, because God warned them. It's true. You earned this money. You paid for prostitutes and dictators. You can't complain to me when you have STDs and bullies over you. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. And let's take a look at those three categories of people that you tend to see when we look at these problems, Pastor Joel, related to self-esteem. All right. With self-esteem and prayer, I'll, I'll just simply look at it this way. Yeah. People who with low self-esteem are going to be praying for things for themselves that aren't going to benefit them long-term. It's things that are going to make them happy now, which tends to be things that are tangible, things that we just would call stuff. Mm-hmm. The mid self-esteem people are probably the people who are either not praying or they're reluctant to pray because they're finally starting to get control of their lives and they don't want to ask for something that may screw everything up. (laughs) And a lot of times these people are, they, they're starting to know what's wrong to do, Mm -hmm. but they don't quite have the right answer. So So we consider those people like, what do we say? They're, they're stingy with their value? Stingy, yeah. Or these people haven't quite learned how to play the spiritual stock market. And it can unfortunately lead to you being a, a person who's like the unprofitable servant in the parable of the talents where you bury your wealth. Ah, you sure. bury what's given to you. Why? Because you're afraid to lose it. You're not going to gain anything that way, though. Where you need... where being stingy with your value. Great. That's usually the first sign that you're starting to understand that justice is real. That's right. But if you want to gain value, you need to play the spiritual stock market. (laughs) You need to get in the game, get in the game and start giving and who to people. And that's the high self-esteem people. These are people who are praying for others. 
other people and ultimately are given their value to God for his will to be facilitated. And finally, can you remind us once more what the ultimate answer is? Yeah, prayer is a conversation where you make a request with God. Or more technically and accurate, prayer is an exchange of spiritual value with God. So how much spiritual value is enough spiritual value then, Pastor Joel? More. <laughs> I, I mean, that's we're talking, I mean, how much do you, how much do you want? I don't know. Now, this is an area where this, this mentality of more is better can really get, get us into trouble. But the times more is better gets us into trouble is when it's tangible not eternal things Mm. but spiritual and eternal is always more is better that's like how much values enough how much loves enough nice none there isn't enough yeah more more spiritual value we have to give without expecting to the right people right you know being led being led by god to love other people. We need to forgive the right people. We need to confront the right people. And we need to pray. We, if we're investing, we need to pray in the right people. So right. having grace, God's influence be the thing that helps us determine how to invest and how to love and how to forgive is going to be, I mean, the ultimate way to do things. So maybe the, Maybe this will set up next season too. Who knows? But maybe the the answer, if there's an answer more specific than just how much spiritual value is enough more, maybe if there's an answer better than that, it would be this. The amount it's going to take for God's will to happen. That's enough value. Nice. That's the number we're waiting for. Yeah, totally. Then God's will will begin. The universal will, this will where we're married to his son. And then you know what happens at that point? We start accruing spiritual value with one another again for eternity. But how much is enough? As it stands to right now, enough is whatever it takes for the new Jerusalem to, and the, the wedding supper of the lamb and judgment day to be at our feet. That's enough. God's will. Amazing. Thank you so much, Pastor Joel. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments or you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We'll see you in season five.